This is Working the Beat. It is a Monday, February 24th, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney along with Mike Kern. Glad you could join us here on your favorite podcast. As the Hooters bring us in once again, today on the show we'll have Rob Ellis on. He'll talk a little Sixers, a little Phillies, maybe throw an Eagles question in there as well as uh, we head into no flyers huh no well best, today best is team, best, tra- te- best team in the best city. team in the city trade deadline passed yeah. today and people go. got them in the finals now because this is what we do in philadelphia instead of going to like the first round playoff win yeah, they, they're gonna they're gonna they're going to the finals they're gonna win the whole thing okay as, I'm, po- I'm as opposed to the other team if i ask you right now this moment as we sit here <laughs> which team will go further oh it's the flyers well, no, it's not the Flyers. The Flyers could lose in the first round. The Sixers could go to the second Who's round. Who's playing better right now? That's not what you asked me. I mean, my question was who will go further. Don't assume the Flyers are going to win like two series or or whatever. They could go out. I'm assuming they're going to make the playoffs. Um, the Sixers could win a playoff series if they're not playing the Bucks in the second one. I mean, I'm not writing them off. You know, I'm just saying. We would have never had this conversation like three months ago. No, that's true. And But people in this town get all carried away both ways. You know, oh, now the Sixers can't. They can't. Do, okay, maybe they can't. Maybe. There, there is cause for concern with the Sixers. That's, and you and I will talk about that. Kevin, a later. that's a totally different thing than you telling me in game two, like Brett Brown's got to get fired. People take, we take leaps in this town. When they beat the Clippers, and we said this all, yeah, they were favored by seven, they won by ten. Paul George did not play, I think, that that whole game. I think he got hurt in that game. Or, right. Okay. So, they go to Milwaukee and get blitzed. Now, oh, they the first also, thing I hear is, well, Ben didn't play. Okay, well, Ben didn't play. They also, against Brooklyn, you skipped the step. I skipped, okay. But they okay. had a 44-8 run against them against Brooklyn. And they won. Okay. Ben didn't play. I get it. Why is it when our guys don't play, it's like, well, you, you got to write that off. Okay, fine. Paul George didn't play, or Paul George didn't play much that night. You know, every team gets injuries. I, I maybe not to always to your best players, but you know, Anthony Davis has missed games this year. You got to go out. All they had to do Saturday, and I get it. They ran. It was the six point game early in the second half. And I get it. You're, you, and they kind of probably hit a wall. The things just fell apart. They never look like uh, on the road, at least, because at home they're unbeatable. They they can't lose at home. Uh, they just, they're missing something. Marcus had an interesting column today you know, about yeah, Marcus Brett Brown says. not really having an answer, which may be true. I still think it's a combination of many things, um, and the coach is probably going to lose his job because they're probably not going to go as far as they were expected to go. Or you know, um, But it's, it's, there's something about this team that they're lacking when they're away from here. And if you get in the playoffs and you're not, I mean, it doesn't look like they're going to be a top four seed. They could be, but um, they're going to have to win. And we're assuming they're never going to lose at home in the playoffs. And, you know, like we're saying, well, they're going to win nine straight at home. So all they got to do is win one on the road. No, 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 no. You might and while, the road. while their schedule is soft, by metrics, it's the third softest coming down yeah. the stretch. Yeah, yes. But if you don't have Simmons, then you don't know what it is. Let, let's see. Look, if Simmons is out forever, they ain't going nowhere. Well, I mean, uh, you, I mean, even if you don't have Simmons for, let's play what I think the five worst. or ten games, five games. Yeah, it's going to cost them. It might cost them the rest of the regular season. It could, Kevin, if he's well, out the rest of the regular season, 
I doubt very much, first of all, he's going to come back for the playoffs and be anything. Guys don't sit out a month and a half with a bad back and come back. There is a history with this with this organization. I'm just I, I'm, reminding I'm telling you, you that if Ben Simmons doesn't play the rest of the regular season, they're not going anywhere. Oh, they're I not, don't think they're going anywhere but, anyway, but, but, but that's all different. five games and comes back and is okay, you know, that still probably means they're not going to get the four seed. Yeah. I mean, they can win games without Ben Simmons against some of those teams are playing. Yeah. Um, they do have the two games in L.A., which we talked about last week. Or I mean, you know, t- and, I mean, Tobias now, you know, he tweaked his knee. You know, I mean, I'm assuming and that. And B grabbed his back at the end of the first half. Hey, it's not good. It's, 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 I'm more concerned with the way they play. Than, yeah. I mean, being hurt is that's being a, hurt. And that's a whole different story. Well, you, you know. Um, that's a whole not, different story. Well, and there'll be changes. There'll be changes, and the biggest change will be that you'll have uh, a new head coach. A new coach. Three years after you want them gone. You always bring that up. Because you fired a coach okay. two games into a season, and it's not the only time I didn't, you've done like, something like that. I literally fire him. I you said that there if on this the kept up. No, no, no. If this kept up, he would be in big trouble. You said fired. Okay. You said it was two games into the season, and you said, Mike, this isn't, I don't like what I'm seeing. They, you know, they got to think. I'm like, Kevin, or two. I said, first of all, he's going to coach the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. He's not getting fired, regardless of what we think or. Mikey Coat fired after the year. When we come back, Rob Ellis from 94 WIP and CBS3 will join us back after this. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way? This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work It to Be podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work It to Be podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Working the Beat podcast family. And joining us now from 94 WIP and also Odds On, uh, which is on uh, CBS 3 on Sunday mornings at 8.30. It is our friend, the man who was in Mr. Kern's ear way too much, I'm sure, at certain points in his life as the producer. No, he was he was welcome. He really? Was, he, he was good. It's Rob Ellis. Rob, mm-hmm. how are you? My two favorite guys. What's happening, boys? <laughs> how we doing? I'm, I'm fine. Where's uh, Cheney at? We need Cheney on this thing. Uh, where's the digit in the midget? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many ties did you end up getting? Did you get you got a few ties, didn't you, Rob? I, I would say at least five. The over under was like four and a half. I think yeah. I went over. One five. time recently I counted them because I've given them away. I've get, got last year my daughter had like some um fundraising thing she was doing. I gave him some Cheney ties to auction off. Um I still have like twenty some. Yeah, yeah. I have one of your and not all of them were the real good ones. Like like some were different than others. Cause near the yeah, end, he, he he was hit or miss with with some were like ridiculous, like crazy, oh, yeah. you know, pricey, and others were you know pretty moderate ones you can get anywhere. Well, see, but you yeah, got him at the end when yeah. he wasn't really because he wasn't coaching and he, he wasn't buying the real good ones anymore because he didn't need them. So you'd get like something you'd give to Speedy or something, you know, and and and, and you could tell you could tell the difference because I got a few at home. God, they must have been like two hundred dollar ties. I mean, yeah, it was nuts. It was wasted on me, but I tried anyway. So, Rob, let's start with the Sixers. I mean, 
Kern and I were just talking about this in the intro. Um, I, I think they're in real trouble here. And it's you know, obviously the Simmons injury is going to dictate a lot of this. But this team, what you saw on Saturday night, and, and again, tempered a little bit by the Simmons injury, uh, to me, that's an example of a team that's going nowhere. I mean, you, that's just example A of you look at that and go, uh-uh, they're, they're, they're just cooked at this point. Yeah, and, and you know, here's the thing, though, Kev, more than anything else, if you big picture it and you look at it, you say, all right, we all collectively in the city went through all of all of that, all of the process stuff, all the tanking, whatever you want to call it, for this. I mean, the, the worst case scenario is you're going to be a team that can't get past the second round, and you went through all of that. And, and that's, I think, the biggest fear for everybody. But what you see more than anything else just now is a poorly constructed roster, like the thought process in the off season, not to, to throw shooters around Simmons and Embiid is really hard to fathom. You know, you look at a guy like Josh Richardson and he's, he's okay. He's a nice complimentary piece. Horford may go down as one of the all time worst signings in the history of Philadelphia sports. Tobias Harris is a guy. He's just a guy. He's a fourth piece on a team. They don't have a killer on this team. They don't have enough shooting. They let Reddit walk, which was a big mistake. They didn't fill that void with anybody hoping that Horford could knock shots down. And either he's cooked, Brand made a giant mistake, or Brown can't coach him up. Whatever it is, it's all bad. So, yeah, there's a lot to be concerned. And you know what? We might get lulled into a false sense of something because the schedule's pretty light the rest of the way with a couple of exceptions. They might string something together if Simmons is healthy. But ultimately, can you go into this playoff with any kind of faith in this team? Yeah, well, I go back to the fact, Rob, that Danny Ainge wouldn't have let him go if he really, really thought that it was worth it to keep him, especially because he was going to the Sixers. Um, you know, but and, and it's funny because I always go back. I don't know what the process was supposed to be. Like, does it mean parades down North Broad Street? Does it mean that he got them to be relevant again? I don't know. But to me, the two big pieces are too young to completely, they're going to be here next year. The coach might not be, but I think the two guys are going to be back. So I don't, but doesn't Elton Brand have to take a little bit of the, the fall for this? Uh, for sure. And yeah, I agree that the two pieces are going to be here and, and it's likely going to be the coach who, who pays the price for this. But yeah, Elton Brand gets a free pass, I guess, because he's a nice guy or because he's only been in the job for five minutes. I don't know why, but you know, he made it a point a couple of weeks ago to say, look, you know, the, the, the infrastructure's changed. I make final call here. So, all right, if you're saying that to me, then I'm blaming you for outbid, you know, outbidding against yourself or bidding against yourself for Tobias Harris and giving Al Horford this kind of deal. Here's the problem, guys. Yeah, Simmons and Embiid are going to be back, and there may be a new coach, but who's taking Al Horford's contract off Nobody. your hands? Who's taking, yeah. yeah, who's taking Harris off your hands? So the whole point, for whatever Hinky was, I don't think he would have hamstrung himself with these two kind of, ridiculous deals and you know we, we all saw the Harris thing coming like they gave him what this guy's bounced around to a million different teams he's a nice guy he's an okay player he's not worth a borderline max deal and the thing is too and this 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 I think is what you see when you hear Embiid talk about I'm the best of the world and then he goes out and on Saturday night and clearly shows that he's not able to carry a team really like you have to if you're the best player in the world the arrogance of this organization, and it started from day one when Josh Harrison crew walked in here and, and, and you know, Adam Aaron, and, and then they went to Hinky, and then they went to Colangelo and everything. All the arrogance and all the patting on the back they do 
and that they've been allowed to get away with in a lot of uh, channels in this town because some members of the media here bought right into it. Okay. Well, because they stunk for so long. Well, but you were just glad that they didn't stink. But the idea is all this, they haven't won squat. They haven't won a division. They won two, they've won three playoff series in 10 years. I mean, to me, what you're seeing now with this group is a reflection of the organization's own arrogance in the way they constructed this. The thing no, that you're right. Yeah. No, Kev, you're right. There's an entitlement. And, you know, even, even looking back, you know, you, you basically hired everybody in the front office, which meant nobody from the outside wanted that job, which mm-hmm. meant by default, it ends up being Elton Brand who had very little experience. Yeah. He played the game, no doubt, but had very little experience in any capacity in a front office. He ends up here, make no mistake, because nobody else wanted it. What front office hires assistant GMs in every other position before they bring a GM in here and let him choose his own people? And that that is part of the reason why maybe you're you're unable to recognize talent, whether it's in the college game or whether it's guys you know that you're trading for or re-signing to insane deals. And what front office tries to win the nineteen ninety or nineteen eighty eight NBA title in twenty twenty with the way the game has changed and not having not having any legitimate outside threat and trying to play bully ball, which is ridiculous. Yeah, no, you're right, and, and you know. I, it's we could we could argue Jimmy Butler, but to me, I know he didn't defend. But the JJ Redick thing, the pick and roll with the team was very effective. You had a legitimate shooter. You look at this team, and they're and they're trying to play, you know, twenty twenty ball by by launching threes. At some point, maybe you get away from that and you try to go old school because you're not hitting any shots. You saw it Saturday night. Hubie Brown doing the broadcast is saying, "Look, they're three for twenty, yet they keep launching threes. Why?" And I agree. Why? Do something else. Try something else. I don't think Rob, the the coach. That's why I didn't, the bo- the whole boy ball thing to me when they were saying that. I'm like, okay, I'll believe it. Like when I see it, because he doesn't want to. First of all, nobody in the NBA does that really. But right. he doesn't coach like that. He's a European style guy, which is fine. That's the way he wants to play. That's the way that San Antonio played. But like you said, I mean, their team last year, and I know Jimmy didn't want to be back here probably because he didn't want to play with Simmons. Who knows? Well, Simmons he, didn't want him back. But go ahead. Right, but he was buds with Joe. Whatever. Their team last year, I think, was better than the team they got now for all the reasons that you said. And even like two years ago when they went out and got the shooters. Now, I know it didn't work against the Celtics because the Celtics had the perimeter players that could deal with that. But they were, that was what they were supposed to be doing, was making shots, and they did win a lot of games, you know, at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Mike, I agree with you on both fronts. And, and I, let me add one more thing to that. You know, we were sold that, all right, no matter what, at least, you could count on this team would defend, right? And, and if you look at their defensive numbers, they're not bad. And we know Simmons has turned into a premier defender. But Horford's a turnstile now, right? And, Al, and Tobias Harris, they can tell us all we want all they want about his effort and all that. He's not a good defender. And I think ultimately when you're forget about when you're playing Cleveland and Atlanta, but when you're playing like real playoff teams or teams like we saw Saturday night or teams like they're going to see when they, they make the road trip to LA, that's when they're going to be in trouble. They're not going to be able to defend. They're not hitting shots. Look, Embiid and Simmons, if they're on the floor are, are talented enough where, you know, that that's going to be enough some nights, but, but other nights it's just not, you're not going to have enough to be able to win against those kind of teams. And, I, I think Brett Brown's like lost right now. They don't know. He doesn't know what to do. And I, yeah, I do think he's the one who's going to be a scapegoat for this. But this is a horrifically constructed roster for this day and age. And, and like you said, it's hard to fix it. Rob, can, can you explain or Kevin, either one he's explained because I how you can be unbeatable at home almost literally. 
and so bad on the road. I, I mean, I sit there every day trying to figure out why, and the only thing I can come up with is like there's an immaturity about this team that when they go away from home, they don't have anything to feel. But what do you guys I, think? I, I, I'll start with this, Rob. I don't know. I, I think the optics of having the guy who, again, 24 hours earlier declared himself the best player of the world sitting at a craps table in Milwaukee the night. It had nothing to do with craps table. He was at a crap. He was at a table at a casino in Milwaukee at about one a.m. <laughs> did he win? Did he win? Like twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning. Oh, gosh. that's just bad optics. After Look, the lo- after the loss, him- no, after the win on on so Friday the night, night before the loss. the night before the loss. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. The point is the this team is immature and they don't know how to handle the optics of being adults yet. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's two things. Your your best player is is incredibly immature and your coach for years has enabled him and Simmons to an extent. And I don't I don't put Simmons in the same immaturity category as I do in B, but he's I, I think there there should have been a foot put down years ago on Simmons too in terms of you know shooting more. And I mean Brett's tried it this year, but it's a little too late. But I, I think it's a combination of, of those two things. And I, I just think this team doesn't respond well to adversity. Nope. You know, say what you want about the great front runners. They are. Yeah, they're great. And, and say what you want about Doug Peterson and the Eagles or whatever, but he figures out a way to rally these guys when things are, are in the toilet. And and Brett doesn't. When, you know, and you see it, there's more adversity on the road. There just is. And you, you, even though the, the Sixers crowd will get on them with booze, you know, they're, they're still it, – it's a much gentler situation. You go on the road, things go bad, and you see it all the time with this team. You know, a, a four-point deficit turns into a 14-point deficit in the blink of an eye because they just don't respond well to being punched in the mouth. They are very much a front-running team. They can look great at times when they get a lead on a team and, you know, they're running the floor and Embiid starts off hot. Look out. Forget it. But when things aren't going – like Saturday night, Embiid's not shooting. I thought he gave good effort, but whatever. It's regardless. But he wasn't He wasn't hitting shots. Where's Josh Richardson? Where's mm-hmm. Tobias Harris? Where is anybody else to step up? Uh, uh, you know, you're depending on Moss. Give me a break. The, you know, guys that you're paying a lot of money and, and counting on a lot this year. You know, how many times did the – I'll go back to 01, all right? When Iverson would go down with an injury, and in the playoffs, there was a couple of games he didn't play. Snow you and McKee. Guys, Snow and McKee would step up. Who steps up for this team? Nobody. And you know what the Nobody. funny thing is, Rob, and you just – we both met. When last year when you had Jimmy and you had J.J., they had veteran guys who would fill that role that you're talking about. They were great deodorant to the uh, – to the yeah. To, to 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 the offsetting of the immaturity, but they're of the not here anymore. Stars and they're not here. No, and, I, and I'll tell you what caught really caught my attention in a bad way. Before the All Star break, when they had to have that team meeting, it was Josh Richardson who held it. Yeah. Like, why is that not in Bede or Simmons or guys who have been in place here for a while? Josh Richardson's been here for five minutes. How is he calling a team meeting? I mean, I give him credit for at least trying to step up, but where are those guys? Rob, it, all right, I'm. Going to fast forward here and assume happens what I think we all believe is going to happen, and the, and the head coach is going to pay for this at some point. If you're yeah. if you're Jay Wright and Scott O'Neill calls you, do you even pick up the phone? Well, he's I already accepted the, the Knicks job. How, how's he going to switch? <laughs> how's he going to switch no, his he, Sixers? He, Kev, to answer your question, here's the thing. Look, I, um, I'm always listening, right? If they if they make me some insane offer, all bets are off. You know, here's 15 million a year, here's 20 million a year. All bets are off. I don't think that's going to happen to that degree, but right. but I have to listen. But but here's here's I think Jay Wright is way too smart, way too smart to get involved in this. He see, I'll give you an example. He looks at John Beeline. Beeline's 10 years older than yep. I know that. 
But he looks at John Beeline in the way that that went. He, he had an itch that he needed to scratch. You got a perfect setup in, at Villanova, which he set up to his credit. He's the one who's got this thing going, but it's perfect. You have control. You have no control in the NBA, and you're set up to fail. You're set up to get fired. You can stay at a job like Villanova if you get into a rhythm like Jay's in for, for 25, 30 years, if you so choose. He, I, I hope for his sake he doesn't want that headache because it is a no win. And the other thing is that's Jay's a guy who loves guard play. Yeah. He doesn't have that here. You're, you're taking no. over a roster of bigs that are ill-equipped to, to play today's game. But, but Rob, and, and let, let's play devil's advocate because I agree with what you said. But he wouldn't have to move. Most guys, like Beeline went to a team he wasn't going to win at. That's a trash fire. Most guys who go to the NBA from college go to those kind of situations. He would be at least going to a situation where a team would have won 50 games three straight years has two, even though they're, they might be dysfunctional together, has two of the best, let's say, 20 players in the game. Um, you know, and, and you, you don't stink. You're just not as good as we thought you should be. You know, isn't that like a little bit different situation where he might look at it and say, boy, if we could do one or two things here and, and you know, I'm, I'm not starting from a 10-win team. Yeah, no, look, Mike, you make a point, but here, here's what I would say to that. And, and again, this goes back to Jay's awareness and how smart Jay is. He also has to look at, I got to deal with a young Celtics team. And by the way, Tatum's going to win an MVP before his career's yep. done. He looks at the Celtics. They could have drafted looked, him, right? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that to yourself. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and, then, and then he looks at the Raptors, who other than Lowry are a relatively young team. And, and Nick Nurse is one hell of a coach. Yes, he okay? is. Um. You know, I, I don't know if he looks at the landscape in the East and he says, looks at Brooklyn, right? Or Brooklyn. Yeah. But, but I don't know if he looks at that and says to himself, yeah, no, certainly, Mike, you're right. They're not the Cavs. They're not some dumpster fire. Totally. But ultimately, is Jay satisfied with being like a four seed? Now, maybe he says, I'll be pretty satisfied making 15 million a year being a four seed. Maybe he does that. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I think ultimately his setup is so good at Nova. Yes, he could make more money in the pros, no question. And you're right, Mike, he wouldn't have to move. I'm sure he grew up rooting for the Sixers and all that. And that, and that that's a sentimental tug that could maybe change things. But see, if I'm Jay, yeah. I look at it as I'm not going to be the fourth seed. See, I believe there's something in people like Jay Wright mm-hmm. that says, I can do this. I want that challenge. I've won two national titles at Nova. If, God forbid, it doesn't work out for whatever reason three or four years from now, I can get another job if I really want to, or I can go work for CBS or ESPN. I think Jay would look at it and say, no, I can be the guy that takes this team where people think they should go. Now, I, you know, I'm not saying that means he's going to take the job, but I don't think Jay looks at it and says, man, I can't deal with Ben. I can't deal with Joel. Let me throw one other X X factor at you for, for both jobs. We know Jay loves New York too, Mm -hmm. but if I'm Jay, I'm looking at James Dolan and I'm saying, you know, you, you want to just, throw me into the black hole of death. Yeah. I'm not going there. I don't know what respect. And I say this, honestly, I don't know, but I know Scott O'Neill is, is a Villanova guy and he's, you know, got ties with Scott O'Neill, but I don't know if he doesn't look at this and say, uh, Josh Harris, mm, not real sure this, this structure, the way this thing's set up is going to work. Now mm-hmm. I, I, he may not even, you know, maybe that's not a factor. Maybe he just looks at personnel and says, I can make this work. But the other way of if, looking at it too, is yeah. if you're just sick, Kevin and I've discussed this, some of our guests, they might not be. They might want an established coach, like they might Jason want some, kid. somebody who could come in here and have some NBA experience because they think they're close. Because I, I gotta believe the Sixers look at this and say we're close, even with everything 
that's happened this season. Oh, well, yeah, because they have an ego the size of, you know. But they have two of the best players in the league. I'm just saying. Here's the irony in all this. The hinky years were supposed to remove the idea that you would end up being a mediocre five yeah. to eight seed second round team at best and window. It may end up that that's all this is. Yeah, no, and that is the irony. I mean, you you could have done this with Drew Holiday and and that crew Iguodala before you before you started blowing it to bits. Yeah, you that that's exactly, and that was my point off the very top. Like you, you went through all this to be a yep. a championship winning team, not to be fifty wins and okay, win a playoff series, wonderful. No, you didn't go through all that for this. But see, and here's where I disagree a little bit with you guys. I get everything you're saying. I, but you know. We're making it sound like they're going to be mediocre forever. Like, this is the best they can ever be. I disagree with that. They may turn out to be the... They won... Last year, they came within a four-bounce basket of beating the team in Game 7 on the road. Now, what would have happened had they won that game? I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't have beat the Bucs. Maybe... But I'm just saying is... This season is not going how we uh, thought. And, and Mike, I agree with you, but the one thing is that team, and you've said it, that team was better. But you can change, Kevin. They can, what I'm saying is, but they mortgaged everything for last I'm year. I'm not willing to sit here and say, well, for the next three or four years, the Sixers are just going to be the fifth seed in the East. No. Why would I say that? Because things change. They, 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 it's, they may be. They may be. But I'm just saying, I, I'm not willing. You bring another coach in here. Maybe you make a move or two. I don't know, but... Right. Rob, yeah. let me let me let me flip you over to the Phillies. Simmons here. takes a mm-hmm. shot, you know, yeah, something. <laughs> Hold your breath on that one. Well, um, <laughs> what do you? I mean, we're now in week two in Clearwater. The one thing that's been positive out there is the fact that it sounds like Scott Canary may be the second baseman of this team, and they're moving Gene Segura to third, um, mm-hmm. which is, in my mind, the manager starting to put his stamp on things right away. Yeah, I agree. I, look, I I think that. Um, uh, uh, Girardi's a breath of fresh air on a million levels. And I, I think that he's going to do what's best for the team. He's not going to kowtow like Kapler would to Clintac and McPhail. I think he's going to do what's best. And you're right, Kev, th- that could, yeah, he, he even before camp started said, look, we're, it's not like we're not going to see Kangaroo at second base. He, he floated that himself before this even started. So that is a good, a really good sign. And I, I think too, in addition to how much better the upgrade is at manager, Let's not lose sight of the fact that, you know, you have a legitimate pitching coach and what I think is going to be a really good hitting coach. Mm-hmm. And you needed some fresh voices with everybody as far as that was concerned. And I think that I actually really I think this lineup's a lot better than maybe people are giving it credit for. Do I worry a little bit about center field? Yeah, I, I do. But I mean, I think in general, this is a good lineup. And what concerns me is the obvious is beyond your one, two. Um and and you're and and I don't think enough is said about the bullpen. They're they're counting on Sir Anthony Dominguez, and that's a very dicey proposition. Mm-hmm. But I don't I, I don't think it's hopeless here with this team. I think they they have a shot at a wild card. But what you need to happen is something that uh, you know I, I'm not going to sit here and guarantee anything. What you have to get is Arietta decent, not great, not Cy Young Arietta, but decent and and dependable that he can make every start, which we haven't seen yet in his Phillies career. And you know. I'm not counting anything on the on the Velasquez Pavetta duo, but I think Eflin will be fine as your four. Yeah, I do too. I think he'll be okay. So I mean, it's it really comes down to your pen and and what these roles develop into for these guys. But the manager's a huge upgrade, and and the staff is a huge upgrade. I'll be I'll admit though, and I'm I'll be the one guy in town that I'm willing to. I'm worried about Wheeler, and I'm worried about Wheeler because 
they paid an awful lot of money for a guy who, you know, I'll use the Brady Van Wagenen term, had, you know, maybe one or two good half seasons in the last five because of injuries and all that. And that really worries me. I'm almost thinking that they're paying too much on potential. And I, I wish I had seen this guy put it together a little more than he did. Because when he was bad, he was really bad. Yeah. No, look, Kev, that's a, it's a real concern. The health thing is a real concern. And he's been he's been hurt a lot in his career. And, you know, look, they, they targeted two guys. And, and impossible to say that Wheeler, even with the concerns that we have, isn't an upgrade from what you, you were rolling out as your number two then or last year. And mm-hmm. Gregorius is a really legit shortstop. And he's a guy who can send the message of what Joe Girardi's all about to these guys when, when things aren't going well. So I think he was an important signing. The problem was you knew that you were going to draw this imaginary line in the sand at, at the luxury tax. I, I don't know why you wouldn't spend your money a little bit differently and, and, and try to try to get more, uh, accumulate more, more yeah. surplus rather than just those two guys. And then, then you just start dump, dumpster diving after that. I don't, I don't quite get the approach of the organization. I, I don't understand it to this day. You know, I know that, look, you look at the payroll in general, they're, they're paying out a lot of money. It's just, it's dispersed. It's really top heavy in a lot of ways. Well, new fanatic costumes cost a lot, Mike. That's, there you go. There you just, go. Well, I think one of the more interesting things too is going to be if the only two prospects they have that are like maybe ready to contribute, if Howard and Bohm can come up in May or whenever, you know, late June, May, yeah. June, um, and they say Bohm can hit. And they're not sure about his feeling, but if those guys could contribute, you know, if Howard could come up here and be your fifth starter, if Bohm could be the number six or seven guy in the lineup and, and give you something, you know, I, I think those two things could really, you know, make enough of a difference. Maybe it wins you a couple more games here or there. Mm-hmm. No, big time, Mike. Right on. I mean, yeah, that that's that's an X factor that we don't look at right now on this roster. They're they're like trades if those guys come can come up and contribute. Yeah, and they're, you're going to have to figure out you know, what the roles are and where everybody ends up. I, look, the problem they're going to have, and this is this could be a good problem because it means Bohm's legit, but I think ultimately he's a first baseman and they're going to have to figure that out. But that's getting way ahead of our Do stuff. you think are, we could f- f- do a trade where we give Horford and Segura <laughs> and maybe throw Tobias in for something? Yeah. Like, could we do good, that? Good, good luck on that one. Good luck. <laughs> it's amazing uh, what bad contracts do. Uh, it's amazing. It, it is. Rob, last question. The real Muto contract was a big, 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 discussion point last week of the or the arbitration hearing he didn't sound like a happy camper after he gave back maybe not at the Phillies but at the process and obviously with free agency looming for him how worried are you that this has a carryover effect I I'm not I'm not actually Kev yeah, I, I think he's a guy who gets it I, I really do I mean I, I love this comments when he said look one way or the other I'm making at least 10 million dollars so I, you know I'll be all right and and I and I think he's he, he's really got the right uh, – his head screwed on straight for this. He understands the business aspect of it. I, I don't sweat him, and I think the organization realizes, A, that he's the best catcher in the game, and, B, they gave up a pretty legit pitching prospect for him. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for him to walk after this year would be about as bad a look as there is. So I think his deal gets done. I think it gets done relatively soon. So I think from that standpoint, uh, no. I mean, there's a lot of other things I worry about, but I think Real Muto, that'll be fine. And, and if you're his camp – you're motivated to get a deal done because of the position that you play sure. too, I think. Maybe a little bit more than you would be if you're, say, an outfielder or something and, like that. And there so are, I think that gets done. And there's history of like guys who, you know, Ryan Howard, when his contract got renewed in 07 and got mad, everybody thought that would be a factor in his negotiations moving forward, and it wasn't. And the same with Hamill. So there is a history here of guys who, when they get paid later on, any hard feelings from before may go away. And they're going to have sure, to sign the shortstop too, right? 
what, shortstop's hey, a free agent. Gregorious, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, if he has a good year, which we're all hoping he does, that's the right. point. I think he's a real big part of this team. Yeah. So yeah, I, I yeah, I think that 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 one, I, and I think he will be good this year. So, I, but I think they're going to play that one by ear a little bit. I think Real Muto will be done before there's any kind of extension given to Gregorius. Rob, I know you've been f- filling in on the overnights now with Big Daddy. What's it been like mm-hmm. uh, walking out of there at the break of dawn? And you're also <laughs> teaching too, so yeah, uh, you're yeah. A temple, it's, right? Um, yeah, it's it's not for the faint of heart, Kevin. <laughs> uh, it's, no. it's a fun, it, it's a fun show to do. It is. It's it's a it's a quirky sort of weird audience, which I dig. But it's a it 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 can it can beat you down a little bit that schedule for sure. So Rob, you gotta, when you get home, what yeah. time do you get home? About six. I, I about six fifteen okay, around there. Because I used to work like shift like that too for a year or so. What do you mm-hmm. do? You sleep then? Do you, do you stay up for an hour or two? Like no, like, how's I, your like, day I, go? I, I really try to go right to sleep. Okay, um, I've been pretty good with that. The only problem is like, I'll I'll finally you know fall asleep about seven and all the all the alarms start going off for everybody who has a normal life now. Mm-hmm. So that's that always makes it interesting. But my problem isn't the, isn't falling asleep on the front end. It's I wake up at like 1130 every morning, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. Like I can't like you. Ideally, you should probably sleep till about three if you're, you know, on yeah. eight hours and all that. But I don't get anywhere close to that. So it's, it is what it is. It's all good. And the teaching gig is is a blast. The temple, I love doing it. And, uh, you know, the TV gig's fun. So the schedule is as goofy as it is radio wise allows me to do a lot of other stuff. So it gives me flexibility. And I'll tell you what, one of the best people you will meet within the business in Philadelphia was, was uh, feelings mutual guys. W- Thank you. Was great at, uh, at a certain cable outlet. We won't name, uh, we can name it. What's, what's the problem? Because I don't want to remember the name. I don't remember the Just original call Comcast. Comcast. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, now at WIP, uh, Rob Ellis. Thanks for joining us, Rob. Appreciate it, man. Boys, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, yep. Stay good, thanks man. Thanks a lot, Rob. Rob Take Ellis care. from 94 WIP joining us here. and uh, Another Philadelphia guy. He, yeah. Rob, Monsignor Bonner. Yeah, but he's just, and I guess there's a lot of us. like There's nothing special about us, so to speak, but we're just Philly guys. And look, I'm guessing in Chicago, they have Chicago guys and, and you know, every big kind of city, I'm sure. But it just seems like there's a lot of Philly guys, you know, who went, to, you know, grew up here or, or in the suburbs or South Jersey, whatever. And, and you know, we all sound alike. We all kind of, you know, spouting the same things. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. I mean, it, it, it's interesting because I, I've always believed that you needed – you need to have a feel for this market to be good in this market. And that doesn't mean you need to be from here. Right. But like Angelo has the feel for the market. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anthony had the feel for the market. Missinelli had a feel for the market and everything. And it's tough. It, 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 and I think one of the things that, you know, we talk about the world we used to see. Okay. As Philadelphia fans, and this gets to the process argument. Okay. When we were growing up, the process would have never been as popular as it was. Agreed? I, I guess. I mean, I'll, I'll play along. Yeah. I mean, they had a team. They made a decision, whether we liked it or not, that the way to get you, – you could be mediocre. You could be the Detroit Pistons forever. That's what happens when you're just – you'll be the Atlanta Hawks. You can be the Detroit Pistons. You could be one of those teams that gets the AC, gets it, whatever. And every once in a while, maybe you have a better year – they made the decision they were going to tank to try to get some pieces, and they got two of them. They, they missed out on a couple, but they got two. Mm-hmm. 
And they went, this is what I said, they, they, they've won 50 games the last two years. Having won 10 games four years ago or whatever it was. So you can't say that what has happened, there, there is a, a value to it. They became one of the best, I'll throw numbers out, but let's say five or six teams in the NBA. I mean, they were in the five, yeah. Last year, okay, eight. Let's say one of the best eight teams in the NBA. Okay, when you were like 30, that's saying something. But now the tougher part of the process is going from the 50 wins to the finals or a parade or whatever that might mean. Mm-hmm. That's the hard. How many times do we see teams in any level? You know, yeah. College football. You know, what Al Golden did was tremendous at Temple. He got him from like, you know, off the face of the earth to seven, eight wins, a minor bowl game. What Matt Rule did, taking him to that 10 bigger. or 11, I don't think they ever got to 11. That's the harder part in any sport to me is to, after you've become good, become great. You know, and I don't, I, the jury's still out. You know, yeah. if, if Embiid and Simmons were 30 years old, I would say, oh, yeah. But as young as, I don't think they're ever going to change. But I don't know, like, maybe they get a new coach next year and the new coach, for some reason, gets through. I, you got to tell me who the coach is. I, mean, I don't know. If it's Jay, I'm gonna I'm gonna send him a congratulatory and a what's that other like a sympathy card like in the same, exactly. in the same text. Um, <laughs> so that would be a, a, a some story though, wouldn't it? Yeah, guy who's won two national championships within the last four years, five years, not leaving town. And going to coach the team that the NBA team, the NBA team that's on the cusp of maybe mm-hmm. being doing something or not. Um, we'll talk Phillies on Thursday. Um, a, a note: we're not uh, going to have a podcast next week. I am away. Um, on uh, I get a, I get a week off. You get a week off. Okay. I get a week off. You, well, you I get a week, a week in week Florida. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Where are you staying? Sankey. Yeah, Sankey's nice. Marriott Sankey. How, is that setting you back, or do you have like a little Marriott? Yeah, point some thing? Marriott points a little. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's a nice place. It's a very nice place. Um, so we're staying there, and um, so anyway, so Thursday we'll do a Philly show. I'm going to try to get one of the boys on from Clearwater. Um, what are you going to tell you at this point? <laughs> I think I think general mood. Yeah, but see, I, I, this is why. Well, maybe, maybe but this is why I don't care about preseason. Because all preseason is is people basically, basically speculating yeah, on what's sure. going to happen when they start playing. Okay, right. and, and it's funny. Good. It, Eflin looked good today. He threw two. Okay, fine. It's, it's funny because actually, no Hoskins, no Harper yet. So, and that's a couple. That'll be but, a couple. See, weeks I'm not worried about Harper. No, no, I'm At just Hoskins. Saying, yeah, you want, and that's a week down the road yeah, before they really I mean, start to play. But I mean, you know, it, you kind of know the biggest thing on this team is going. to be, What effect is Joe Girardi going to have? Mm-hmm. And the pitching coach, okay? And they got a new hitting coach also? Yeah. They got everybody, right? And does a guy like D.D. make an impact, have an impact? Does McCutcheon come back at something like we were seeing early last year? Right. And then, yeah, they're gonna, is there going to be questions in center field? Yeah, there's going to be questions in center field, you know? So let's get to another topic, which is obviously one of the bigger topics that came up last week, which is the NFL who... And the NFLPA apparently had agreed on a deal for a new collective bargaining agreement, which would have expanded. The biggest thing out of it is a 17-game season with three preseason games. So basically you take one 
preseason game and turn it into a regular season game and expanding the playoffs from um, six teams to seven in each Would it be two buys in that? No, only only one. Only one. Um, the season, by the way, they cannot move it back to 18 weeks. They cannot try to get to 18 weeks until the end of the new CBA, which is, would be 2031. They couldn't do 18 till 2031. Yes. I see. I would go to 18 now and put a clause in there that we're never, ever, ever, ever going to discuss 19, 18 forever. Two exhibition games, two buys. And hopefully that gets you out at uh, Washington's birthday or President's Day for the Super Bowl. You can make it work. See, the biggest thing you got to tell me is I have no problem with the extra team in the playoffs. That's, but that's enough. That, that's it. Like, okay, you only want to give a buy to the one seed. I'm cool with that. How are you going to play 17 games? Well, I haven't heard anybody explain this to me yet. And the way that it's been constructed is apparently – Eight home, eight road, and one either international game or perhaps a neutral site game. That's bullshit. Okay? So we're going to have, so you're going to figure out a schedule where, like I heard one say, say well, the Steelers could play the Eagles at, at State College. Well, that's great. That's one time. Now, what do you do the next year? What do you do when, and can you imagine the intri- intricacies to figuring that all out? Really? Yeah. Like, are, are the Jaguars... Or no, that's a bad example. Because they, they're going to go play two. Uh, well, but let, let me... Let's say the Buccaneers one year have to play... The seventh, the, the 17th game would have to be an interconference game. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you'd be playing somebody from the other conference, right? So let's say the, the Bucks are going to play the, the uh, Chargers. That's the game. That's their, their game. Where's that game being played at? That somebody's actually going to want to go see it. If the Steelers and the Eagles go to State College, they'll sell it out. Probably. I'm guessing. All right. Okay. So, so this is what, and I'll give credit to my uh, my buddy Jeff Carr, who used to be at Westchester, is now for CBS Sports. Mm-hmm. Current NFL's current structure has 10 home games per team, eight regular season, two preseason. That isn't expected to change of the new format. Going into 17 weeks means the NFL will shorten the preseason from four to three. With a three-game preseason, some will have nine home games in the regular season and one in the preseason, while others would have eight home games and two home preseason games. That ain't going to work. Kevin, the first year that the Eagles have one less home game than the Cowboys, and the Cowboys beat them by a game, okay, because in theory the Cowboys had one more home game. What? And how are you going to have 16 teams one year have the eight home games and the next year – you're going to have, what, the other 16? Like, how do you do that? How do you work a schedule out like that? I, I, I don't... Eight, I, even numbers make so much sense. You go 18, two exhibition games, and two buys. And we know why they want to do this now. Money. Well, yeah, and the immediacy to try to get the deal done and, and now is because they're getting ready to start NFL TV negotiations uh, with the rights holders, and apparently, the rights holders wants that want extra product. That's why you're going to get the extra product with the playoff sure. games. You're, that's why you're going to get the extra week. That's why you're talking also ESPN wanting to put Monday Night Football as a flex week. More Joe's Tesla store, so whatever. It is. What do you mean a flex week? Like so, they, we wouldn't know the Monday game until two weeks ahead of time. Okay, 
I'd say whatever. But, but what does that do for people who... Well, what if you flex a game to a Monday and the Eagles are in it, okay? And the next week they're playing on Thursday. Well, I think they would be exempt. I, I right, can't but, you're going to, but there's going to be problems there because ESPN's going to say, we really like this game, and then two teams are going to raise their hand and say, nah, we, we can't. So there goes the flex right out of the flex. I mean, it's just... It's too many moving parts. It's it's way. First of all, the NFL has the perfect thing now. Yeah, they do. Okay, and I get it. They want to make more money, so you're going to go to the unperfect thing. But to me, 17 just doesn't work because every year some team is going to bitch that they lost out on a playoff spot because of they had eight home games, and the other team that beat them out had nine. Unless the only way you can do it is if the 17th game is always a crossover, uh, an AFC-NFC matchup, that you could say every year um, we're going to have the eight home, eight or, and then the so the one year the NFCs always play nine home games. The next year the AFC would play nine home games. Now, if you can figure that out, because right now you only play one division from the other conference, so you, there would have to be, like you wouldn't play the Kansas City Chiefs once every four years. You might play them more than that. And then you'd have to figure out, like, well, who gets the Chiefs and who gets the Bengals? Right. You know, and, and there just seems like there's a lot of room for well, somebody to get pissed off. And somebody had mentioned, one of the things that's been mentioned is maybe creating that 17th game as a regional rivalry game. But again. Kind of like baseball does with the But interleague. that's fine, but you're going to run out of enough regional rivalries to make it work. You can't, unless the Steelers and the Eagles are going to play each other like every, every year. Well, maybe that's what it is. Well, that that's kind. Of, isn't that the charm of the NFL, though? Is that you you only play some teams like once in a while, once every and, four years? And if yeah. the Steelers and the Eagles play each other every year in state college, eventually the novelty of that wears off. And then what happens in the year where they're supposed to play the AFC Central? You're gonna play the Steelers twice. I'm just saying. There's, I agree. There's so I many little nooks and crannies in here that, to me, it, it's and, and some players object to the 17th game, or at least until there's enough money thrown on the table to yeah. make them. I and the problem with the NF, the the reason why the baseball players association is so strong, and football isn't, is because baseball players association they stand 100. percent You know, they they don't even get they they wouldn't have even got mad like if Friars wouldn't have came out and talked about the Astros or when steroids was going on. Nobody talked about steroids. Nobody nobody outed anybody. In football, you have guys making. $25 million a year, and guys making 500000 And it's hard to yeah. get, you know, like if I'm one of the guys trying to make a team, I want more exhibition games, don't I? The fans don't want exhibition games. TV don't want exhibition I think what they do now, like when you see the Eagles and the Patriots like get together for two days right. and kind of scrimmage, that would get more productive. That would get... Uh that would get left. That would get uh, reduced. By the way, the amount of those type of weeks. see, I think I think those are better. But that's me. I, I think the coaches get more out of those than they get out of an exhibition game where Carson Wentz plays one series. But I, you know, I I don't have all the answers. But I'm just saying is this seventeenth game to me just yeah you know, it's so easy right now. Here you go, the Eagles. We know who the Eagles are playing. They're playing your division twice. That's six games. You know, you're playing um, the AFC West. That's 10. You're playing four NFC games um, based upon where you finished or how you did. It's it's just, I don't know. It just makes sense. Do you think the players are going to eventually go for this? Absolutely, it's going, because of the money. If you, if you tell a player you can make, um, I don't know, 
five hundred more thousand dollars a year for playing like another game, or a million dollars a year, or two million dollars a year. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the thing that drives every sport. They're they're going to eventually capitulate. All they're trying to do, <coughs> from what I can gather, is get as much as they can while this is on the table. Because if they vote it down, and you go back to sixteen or you stay at sixteen. You're right. Like the networks might come and say, "Well, you know, hey, we're not, we're not going to give you all that money because, uh, you know." But when you start throwing like Monday night flex games in there and stuff, I mean, I understand the value of a flex game. You don't want like the Lions playing the Jets in December when you thought both teams might be okay. I get if you're ESPN and you're paying a billion sure. dollars. Oh, absolutely. That you want to get, get the most the for max, your money, but. Yeah, you're by right. taking Booger off. No, I'm I'm sorry. I I digress. Sounds like Tony Romo's not going there. Oh, I I know Drew Brees. I mean, it's just there's it's so many. We're making this so complicated. Now maybe they'll come up with a way that it's not complicated and it works. You know, but I just find that hard to to I figure out how you're going to do it. All right, we got we got some well, somewhat breaking news. It's either breaking or it ain't, man. It's something. No, this is somewhat. Okay. Uh, I don't like the somewhat, but that's okay. All right. Well, here we go. Let's All right. The breaking news coming from Woj about Ben Simmons that uh, he is still undergoing treatment and evaluation. I thought there were still hostages in Iran when you played that. <laughs> Treatment and evaluation on his back, and there's expected to be a course of action decided soon. This is not a day-to-day injury. Simmons will miss time. How much time? That's unclear. Tobias Harris, by the way, will play this evening okay. against Atlanta. So, so we don't know how serious this is. He, he didn't. Woj didn't tell you how serious it was. Because no, but the fact that it's not day-to-day that this is this is going to involve weeks. Oh, I told. Yeah, no, no. I fully expect him, Kevin, to miss. Five to ten games. And I'm hoping at the end of that, whatever's wrong with him is but, done. But with a basketball player, or, was or, it foolish for him to play the other night? Um, now they're playing the Bucs. Um, athletes never, I'm sure that when he went out and tested his back before the game, hey, look, I played sports. I, I played with, <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> playing. There. Athletes want to play. That's what they do. And I think maybe if they had been playing, you know, I don't know, pick a team at somewhere that doesn't really, at Washington, maybe he doesn't play. But it was the Bucs. It was like a statement kind of, you know, national TV state, you know, kind of thing. I, I don't blame him for, unless unless he got advice that don't play. And I don't think that was the case. I mean, at least I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt on that. But back injuries are scary, Kevin. Are. I mean, we've seen this with Embiid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back injuries are because even when you come back, I mean, I don't know what you the can injury be tentative. Is. You can well, unless it's one of those injuries where, like, let's say after two weeks they say no, it's it's you've healed it, it's done, whatever it might be. You can't like retweak it. it uh, I you know, but I mean, he's been out for two weeks. His shot might be off. <laughs> hey, look, if if he's out for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. it probably means they're done. To the extent of making a run in the playoffs, um, doesn't mean they couldn't win a series. Doesn't mean, you know. I mean, one thing is he'd be fresh, I guess. I mean, but Ben Simmons doesn't look like a guy who's going to, you know, with Embiid, you worry about him being fresh. I, I don't worry about Ben Simmons 
being fresh. No, but I mean, if it's a back, it's not like he can even ride a bike or anything at this point. I mean, you're you're gonna have to watch your movements, and I mean, you're, you're yeah, it, it's. But now it switches everything else around because they really don't have a backup point guard. No, they don't. Josh Richardson, I guess, t- takes so he starts now, right? Yeah. So what's your what's your lineup now? Embiid, Tobias, Josh, Robinson. <coughs> Do you go with Horford? You put Horford no. back in the lineup. No. So who's your fifth starter? Maybe Neto. Oh God, please! You didn't have to say that. Cork Moss. I was, I was. Oh God, I was okay until that. Well, where does um, Burks fit in? He's, he's off the bench. He's definitely okay. He's um, only been here three, how two much, weeks. How much is Horford making this year? By the way, too much. Um, finally, um, you better mention the Flyers. I mean, well, they're good. We'll mention the Flyers on Thursday. Yeah, but. You should at least just say one line about the Flyers. The Flyers are good. Okay. All right. Uh, but it. I was going to mention hockey. Okay. Okay. This week was the, this 40th weekend, anniversary. Was the 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. Actually, today is the 40th anniversary of the gold medal win. Okay. Against Finland. Okay. Which I, I. It's tough to explain. I tried to explain this to my wife. If they lost the Finland game, they could have still won the gold. But they could have think so. No, 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 because of a tiebreaker. But they could have also missed the medal completely right. because it wasn't a it was it was a round robin tournament. It wasn't a uh, a, a standard. There, you know, there was a great thirty for thirty on last night. A miracles of men. Yeah, the one showed the Russian side of side it. Side of it, awesome. Just because we're looking at it from obviously the greatest upset in sports history, probably. Um, and the Russians who had to deal with that, that great team that hadn't lost like a, and they'd beaten them like 10 to 2, like two weeks before that and all that kind of stuff. And they almost tied the game a couple times, like in the third period. Mm-hmm. And the one guy was saying, he goes, you know, if we tie, we would have got the gold. We mm-hmm. wouldn't have finished second. So right. I, and he said, one goal. One goal is a difference. And them finishing second, they didn't They didn't care about second. It was like when we finished second in that basketball game that they, got, that they got cheated out of. But... I mean, amazing. And the amazing thing, Kevin, is because the world we live in today, um, the game was not on. It was oh. a Friday night. I was playing cards over our friend's house. It was not on. So we're trying to get updates and everything. They replayed it like 8.30. Well, I think it was even later than that, Kevin. Uh, uh, Jeremy Schapp actually did a thing. Okay. With, okay. That it, the games was shown on ABC at 8.30. What time did it start, though, then? Did it start five right? o'clock? Okay, that may okay. That's fine. There was a Pink Panther special on at eight o'clock to eight thirty. Remember, the Olympics didn't take like seven to midnight every night. Yeah. Well, point. I mean, hey, the Sixers finals were, were on tape delay at eleven thirty. So I mean, um, yeah, but and and you're right. I mean, people don't remember because we beat the Russians, but they had to win the game one, and they came from behind. They were down two like, one going in the. But in every game of that tournament, right? Um, because they scored against the Swedes. To get, I think in their first game to get a tie, and that was against Pelly Pelly Lindbergh. Yeah, and that was important because it got them like a point. And then they beat the Czechs seven three. And the Czechs Czechs were pretty good. Were considered the second Second best best team team. coming in. Right. Czechs just melted down at Big Placid. Of course, you know, whenever you talk about this topic, you have to bring up this. So who's doing the color? Ken Dryden. Yes, he was. He, you know, he'd only retired that year. Yeah. And, and he Canadians, was going to law school. Yeah. There was actually a good story in the I, Athletic I by Richard Dyer. He won four cups with the Canadians and then stepped away. <laughs> he said, I'll, I'll see you. Um, 
I mean, it, you know, it, two parts. Uh, it was a two-part question that came up, obviously, this weekend with everything. Is that is that the greatest sports moment in American history? I think it's the greatest sports moment in sports history. You got to give me some. Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson is not that. This was the greatest team in the world. They had not lost. They beat NHL guys. I'll give you the argument that some people, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, give me, maybe I'm forgetting something. Give me Well, no, 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 no. Give me another People one. say it's a regionalized sport, so it didn't have no. the impact in the South. And It wasn't about hockey. We were in the Cold War. There were hostages in Iran. This was an American, like, it, 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 it became a symbol. These guys who were playing in that game didn't know what, what effect it had around the country. People, the USA, USA, it was, no, 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 no. I mean, you could argue um, Jesse um, Owens. Jesse Owens, be- you could certainly argue that. Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson, certainly. No, no. This was this this Russian hockey team was beyond great. They were, I mean, they had like guys who came over into the NHL 10 years, 15, no, 15 years later and won cups with Detroit and the Devils. The, the Owens thing and Joe Lewis defeating Max uh, uh, Schmeling. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I still are, are hurt because it's not the television age. Well, neither was this. It, this was just the beginning. Like, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's still the television age. Yes. It's a common moment yeah, that everybody right. was able to see. But but Jesse Owens, and yes, it was Jesse Owens, you know, Adolf Hitler. I'm not going to minimize Adolf Hitler. Um, the, the, the impact the of Owens Lewis, still in that. Yeah, and Joe Lewis Hitler, is right. sort of the same kind of thing because it was the Germans and all that kind of stuff. But um, this was a miracle. I mean, it. it that's they weren't huge underdogs. Neither one of them were. You know, well. This team, this Russian team, had not lost in something like like it, it was like fifty games. They just torched the the NHL guys. Mm-hmm. Not this team. This team was college guys. Yeah. They were all you know college guys who who weren't. Uh, and they lost, I think, ten to three at the Garden. At the Garden, right like before the opening ceremony. And now, nah, and and the, by the way, greatest call of all time. I think, and that's what I was going to. That was going to be question Greatest two. Call. I mean, the, the Jack Buck one, where the guy, where um, Gibson, Gibson, but nothing like this because it was perfect, and he knew to say six words, five words, whatever it is, and then say nothing. Russ Hodges is pretty good. Russ Hodges is great. You're, you're right. Giants win the Giants pennant, win Giants the pennant. But I still think this one is. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Right. And the it's, Scully, Al, and it's, Scully, Al, it's Al Michaels too. The, yeah, the Scully call on Bill Buckner. I don't remember that one. Like it doesn't stick out in my mind, okay. As much as this, as as the, the Kirk Gibson home run, I just I'm just it's not playing in my head. But you know one of the great things from when I watched the uh, Russian thirty for thirty, mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it in a long time. The greatest things about that was the Russian coach never took his goalie out, never because he didn't know how to. That's fine, but at some point. You got to know how to. Yeah. And he took out Trediak after the first period. People wouldn't know now. Vic, uh, what was his name? Vladimir, Vladimir Trediak. Was maybe one of the greatest goalies ever. Mm-hmm. He was really, he, you know, he's in your top five or whatever you want. And it, near the end of the first period, the U.S. scored on a kind of a fluky goal with with no time left on the clock. He took Trediak out of the game. Yeah. Now, the other guy only gave up two goals, you know, which one, usually... One was on the, a screen, on the Urzini right. goals, a screen, yeah. and the other one was a deflection, so... Rob Johnson, I Rob think jo- Yeah. Um, and, and, and Mark Johnson. Fine. Mark Johnson. And and I get it. it, it, it 
Russia should have scored more than been, been able to score more than four goals. Yeah, because they always did. Craig was unbelievable. He was. He j- he just had one of those whatevers. Uh, but you you take Trediak out, out of the game. game and you don't. You know, you're down with a minute and a half to go, mm-hmm. and the Russians were swarming. Like yep. at that point, I mean, that's what they did. And yeah. <laughs> you, you don't go to a six. <laughs> I don't know. And you mentioned we've talked about the Almighty. And that was oh, before that was the last time, like the amateur, because uh, like eight years later, it was like like well, pros were 92. playing. Right? Ninety two, okay. or ninety or ninety eight was the first time for pros, but there was. It was like hybrids. It was like so. The U.S. basketball went to pros before the hockey's day. ninety two. Ninety two was the first. Yeah. Okay. So we'll never see this again. No. Like you just won't. No. It, yeah. They're they're they did things like under twenty twos and all that. You know, we talk Michael's last call on the Russian game on the Soviet game is is legendary. His call at the end of the Finland game. I don't. Do you remember this one? I don't. Here we go. I don't. I don't think an announcer has ever had no. a better two days. But then again, maybe no announcers had two better games to work with. Work with. I'm giving him the credit that he would come up with this. But right. We had and it didn't sound forced. No, no, no. I was just starting at the Daily News, and I'd been there maybe a year, whatever. We had a guy named Gene Quinn. He was like our kind of our assistant editor. Right. But they sent him to Lake Placid for whatever reason. He was one of the guys that was up there. He was covering that. And when he came home, he said, when you were up there covering it, you had no idea what this was doing to the country. Like all, all the, the fallout. Because these guys were in the arena, they were playing. They, they didn't notice till afterwards. Like, you know, that the whole country was, you know, going nuts about these guys. Um, it transcended sports, even though it was a sport. But it did. It was like people who couldn't tell you a difference between a puck and a stick were following that because it was the Cold War. That was like the, the heart of the Cold War, right? Yeah. 1980. We were, you know, the Russians got nuclear missiles over there. You know, what did this guy, you know, whatever. It was Reagan was coming into office. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a strange time. And then we, the, the Eagles were in the Super Bowl a month before that, right? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. No, that was 80. No, 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 no. The Eagles won to play the 81. Right? Yeah. yeah. It was the 81. So we were just getting ready to go to the Flyers and the Sixers, I guess, would have been in the finals. Um, were you already, Kevin, how old were you in 1987? Do you remember them going to the four finals in one year? Do you, do you remember? Yeah, I remember. Okay. I, I tried to I, I remember the, the, I remember the Leon Stickle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Offsides. I was in on the middle of Devereux Street. I was watching on my, it was a Saturday afternoon. You are correct. And I remember it, and it was done by CBS did the game. CBS did the game. It was actually hockey's last national broadcast for a long time. I was coming home from golf. I was I was playing golf and coming home, listening to it, and I think I missed the stickle call. I don't think I got, I got home for the overtime, I think. And Dan Kelly, who was the voice of the St. Louis Blues, mm-hmm. did the game on CBS. With um that Hall of Fame guy, right? Ted Lindsay was it? Or no, no it was Lou Nanny, I think, was doing the game. But didn't the guy from the, the who was really good on the Red Wings for all those years? Ted he, Lindsay did the uh, cup wins in 74 and 75. Okay. I, I thought he might have still been doing it. And I remember hearing my father curse like I never heard him curse before. <laughs> when, De- when, Dennis, when I was teaching in Austin Mean at the time, 
Um, and it, there was a, uh, a teacher there. We got friendly with a couple teachers, and she was a big hockey fan. When they lost game two at home on the Dennis Potvin overtime goal, mm-hmm. and I was there. I was. I had a really. I went in the next day and told her they're not winning the cup. And I said they're not going to win up the island. Um, but damn, they should have won game six. And in the overtime, Kenny Linsman, there was a scramble out in front. And Linsman had a shot. And Gary Smith came up with a save. And then Nystrom, right? Yeah. Nystrom down the, the wing. The, by the way, the latest on uh, this is what happens when you look at Twitter. Ben Simmons. Sixers are working with Ben Simmons' team on a detailed evaluation of a situation. Once that is done, the Sixers will have another update. The evaluation period is in conjunction with Ben Simmons' management team and is expected to be completed within 24 hours. So it sounds like Ben's management team is now getting involved here, which is... Yeah, but that... uh, Look. Which is the modern way If the Lakers were dealing with LeBron or AD, their teams would get involved. Yeah, there would. Uh, Giannis' team would get involved. Uh, I'm sure the Kawhi's team... Gets involved. So there's only one thing I care about all this is that he comes out of it not like um, like this is a career um, defining or, or whatever. Or, yeah, I, mean, last I don't lingering. even care as much as what it means this season. Like, would it be great if he came back and he played well and the Sixers made a little run in, in the playoffs maybe? Yeah. But at this point, that's not foremost on my mind because – you know, like you, I mean, it doesn't look good right now. It doesn't look like that's, but I mean, Rob made a good point. Their their schedule is such that they could win games. They could, you know, and uh, they'll go to LA and, and get trounced probably. Or, you know, the Clippers aren't looking. You know, because Paul George hurts them a little bit. Yep. The Sixers were in the West. Would they make the playoffs? Probably not. Now they burn the Grizz. Grizz are eight, right? Yeah. Uh, let's congratulate our buddy Todd Zalecki. What do you do? Uh, he won something? Anou- well, no, he announced today the uh, available in May will be uh, Doc, The Life of Roy Halliday. Um, he did it? He did. He authored a book on Roy Halliday, and I know Todd had done a ton of stuff last season while still covering the beat. So um, this will be a real good look, and uh, you'll want to order it on uh, on wherever books are sold from uh, Triumph Books. So I wanted to give a plug there for Todd and his book, and uh, – you have any plugs to give away here? Tacos were twenty five cents in nineteen. Yeah, I should I should point this out. I, I I went to the Smithsonian over the weekend with with my wife. We had a nice. See, Washington people cover. knock Jack in the Box, but it's in the Smithsonian. Really, there's a Whole Food exhibit actually right. in the but Smithsonian. Think in about American this history. Jack in the Box is in the Smithsonian. Oh, so, I don't want to hear so, anybody ever tell me again. So are the cardboard boxes from McDonald's? No, too. But, but that's fine. But McDonald's is. Viewed as like this icon of, you know, you can't go anywhere without golden arches. No, Jack in the Box is part of Americana. It might not be our part because they all went west, most of them, but they had yeah. they had Julia Child's uh, entire kitchen. They should. She's famous. She she was the first cook. It was, a fascinating, it was a fascinating exhibit. She was the first, you know, all the Bobby Flays of the world, you know, they thank her because she was the first one. Yeah. You know, it's watch not. some of those old ones. It's funny, like you know, have them on sometimes PBS, and you know, and she's talking and doing her French thing, and you know, good for her. She allegedly was. The, there's a story like she was a spy. She was in World she War was II. In OSS. Okay, okay, good for her. <laughs> I her, love, husband, her husband was an agent. I love stories like that. Like they, they, there was something where she could reflect the light of the moon to get help. Like there was a device there that she could. <laughs> 
It was. It was. It was. And then she learned to cook souffles. It was. It, she went to French cooking school. It's that's tremendous. It was. It was incredible, actually. And uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what: if you ever just have a whole day, and, and my wife and I go to the American History Museum at Smithsonian. Oh, there's there's separate parts of this. Oh, well, there's like natural history yeah, and all yeah, that, yeah, and this you. is like American history. Yeah, the history of the presidents, the history of pop culture, mm-hmm. and and it's really good. There's an, actually we didn't get to it. The African American Museum down the street uh, oh, yeah. from it, uh, right near uh, the Washington Monument. It's uh, DC is a cool town. I like I like DC. Oh, look, DC. Look, I don't. I haven't been there in years, and my daughter lives in Baltimore, so we've kind of threatened to go down there. Um, but it's it's you know it's the hub of our country. Whether I mean New York kind of is because it's New York, but you know DC is DC, and and it's only two hours away or two and a half hours away. I really should get there. I. The Smithsonian is cool because I like history. I'm a big history person. I I would probably like the Black History Museum and the uh, Air and Space Museum. Obviously, I've been there plenty of times. I, yeah, I mean, if it was the history, like some of the history of the astronauts and stuff, I might. That's what it is. Yeah, but when you get to the technical stuff, I don't. I've wow. seen I've seen so much of that stuff on TV because they have you know all these channels. But shows about it, it's about life of the history, uh, life of the astronaut, astronaut life, and yeah, it, it's cool. Still trying to figure out how we got rockets, you know, up, going, with the help of Nazi engineers. It, it's amazing. Boy, well, that were, went to a dark turn. Well, no, I'm just saying, the guys came over from Germany because apparently Germany, if the war had gone on a whole lot longer, was further tech advanced technology wise than us. That's what if you watch these shows on TV and the one guy von Braun, right? I think he was the father of. I, no, but I'm saying these. Guys, I'm not that deep into it. No, but these guys came over and apparently yeah. were a responsible for us kind of coming up with the atomic bomb first, and b the space program. That was right. the, the thing that they, um, you know, the. Uh, but no, DC was cool. That had good, great pizza. We're at the Matchbox. I, I did. You do, did you do the pit beef? Did not do no, no pit beef. Well, you took a train. So took a train. Couldn't do that. Um, by the way, are we. Is Mr. Hagen like he I, is? I want to be. I, how about this? Perfect world. Our f- friend Paul Hagen is opening up a pit beef place out in Dover County, beef. which Kevin took me to once. It was really good down in Baltimore. And um, so we're going to, we're, we should try to arrange it. So we're the first customers. Whatever we have to do, we have to wait three. I don't care. But seriously, when they, when they cut the ribbon, you know, whatever, unless the mayor is going to be there or something, he has to be there. But you and I should be the first two guys. So you can be one, I'll be behind you. Well, Sasbury probably be one. And, well, then we'll make it a threesome. Maybe we'll make it a foursome. <laughs> but I'm just saying is, you know, I really didn't need that. How cool <laughs> would that be? How cool would that be? be just cool. to see Paul. You know, we Paul, should do the show from down there. Well, we could do that too. But Paul comes out and sees us as the first ones in line. Oh, pit beef and sausage. I want the pit beef and sausage. Paul Bork. Now I'm going to go. I'm going to go to pit beef and sausage. The sausage was good. Sausage, sausage was good. I will. Everything's good there. I mean, it's not like you know. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm hungry. Yeah. All right, Michael. We'll see you on I got th- leftovers waiting at home. Yeah, I'll see you on Thursday. Yeah, man. Thank you for joining us. Hope you had enjoyed this episode. Thanks to Rob Ellis for joining us. We'll see you on Thursday. This has been working to be. You went uptown riding in your limousine with your fine Park Avenue clothes. You had the Dom Perignon in your hand.